0: Civic Conversations is about sharing the good, discovering the civic impact that people are having on the world. This is Scott DeSantis and my partner, Grant Parisi. And today we're interviewing Adebola. Adebola, welcome to the show. Thank you, happy to be here. Adebola yakubu Oalewa is a pathologist who works in the city of Boston. She grew up in inner city Boston with her parents and four brothers. She graduated from Boston Latin School and subsequently graduated from Harvard College and Harvard Medical School. She is committed to the Boston community and serves as the chairwoman of the University Club Scholarship Fund, which provides four-year Future Leaders of Boston scholarships to Boston high school seniors based on academic excellence, civic engagement, and financial need. She herself received the scholarship as a high school senior. Edibola is most proud to be the mother of a curious seven-year-old son. Adibola, we're excited to be speaking with you today, and it would be wonderful for you to share with us a little bit more about your role right now on the the scholarship committee. Ultimately, that was how we were introduced, and we'd love to learn a little bit more about what you're doing there.
1: This year, I have been the chairwoman for the University Club Scholarship Fund, and it's been an amazing experience. We have monthly meetings, and every year we prepare to Update our application, send it out to guidance counselors and parents for Boston High School s- students. And our goal is to receive lots of applications from deserving students from all across Boston. And from there, we read through the applications, meet finalists, and decide on who we're giving scholarships to. And to me, it's just an amazing experience. I was in this role myself as that high school student, and to receive the scholarship can really be life changing. Some students don't know where they would have money for college otherwise. And in addition to providing a scholarship, we also have the scholarship committee members serve as ambassadors or mentors to these students. So they have someone who has skills as well as foresight in terms of particular professions who can mentor these students. So for example, I'm a medical doctor. And so if I have someone who is interested in medicine, I can give them insight and tips on different aspects of the journey that sometimes people may not have within their own family. So not only do we give scholarships, but we have a great mentoring aspect of the committee as well. And the entire University Club of Boston really gets behind Scholarship fund. People donate and people just really want to help out these students. So it's just been an amazing experience to be on the receiving side, but then also to go from being a committee member to being the chairwoman, to see it full circle and to see myself in these applicants and eventually recipients. It's just been an amazing experience.
2: Can you tell us more about the history of the the scholarship and? when it was founded and what its vision is for the coming years and under your leadership, what you have instituted and what you're trying to to change about the, the program? The
1: University Club Scholarship Fund started in 1977. And one of the principal starters or members who started the scholarship was Kevin Phelan. And he, along with a group of other people who started it, wanted to give back to Boston youth And so ever since then, either sometimes it's been two people, like my year when I got it, we had two recipients. But this past year, we've had seven, which is our largest number ever. So pre-COVID, we had events and fundraising events, and we would raise money that way. Members would also donate quite generously. And every year, we would have a scholarship put out, and we would really try to publicize it really well, so we get a lot of turnout. And from there, we would select students from Boston who would receive the scholarship and we would give them up to $30,000 over four years. And to date, we've had about 140 to 150 students since 1977. And a cool thing that we do also is, in addition to having a mentoring component, students have been able to enjoy the university club for six months for free after graduating. And it's just been a, a great experience in terms of providing scholarships to these students. And so the mission of the the scholarship is to provide financial assistance to Boston residents. And these residents can go to Boston Public Schools. And in the past, we've also had applicants from independent schools, as well as charter and MECO in terms of applicants. And from there, the scholarship is really, in terms of who gets the scholarship, it's really based on academic excellence, as well as leadership in the community. And so that could be their school community or also beyond more broadly. And there is a financial need component. So we give the scholarship to try to cover the gap. So if students have loans, we help with that. And we really just want to make sure that students who have needs, who have financial need for college, we're able to support them so that we're alleviating some of the burden From college. So they can just be a college student. They can dive into research and really do extra classes or just really focus on campus life and academics and not have the financial aspect be as big a burden as it could have been.
0: You mentioned the impact of the university club. And for our listeners who don't know, the university club is one of Boston's premier social clubs with about a thousand members, which is athletic focused, but has a lot of good initiatives on the philanthropic side and to the scholarship committee. I I myself have lost a bunch of squash matches and gambling pursuits that have then uh, helped support the scholarship committee. So it's good to have a lot of good programming that the club has gotten behind. And you mentioned how you know there's such a diverse array of professionals at the U club and, and on the committee and how that's very helpful when Working with a diverse array of applicants and pairing them with someone who could be more of a professional mentor for them, I guess on that on that theme, you know, when, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned how empathy is such a defining characteristic of of yours and how you can see yourself in in so many of these kids. I guess can you unpack that a little bit a little bit further and how that's a, a driving force of your day to day? Well, I think having empathy is
1: just. To me, it's just a baseline. And and so for me, it stems from realizing that everyone is trying the best they can. So if someone has shortcomings or if there's something more that they need, just understanding their perspective and appreciating what they can offer, but also realizing my own role and what I can do. And so I, I think that for me, I have been very lucky to get to where I am. My parents really care a lot about education. And that's the reason why they stayed in Boston after attending Northeastern University. And so I feel that a lot was given to me in terms of just having wonderful circumstances in terms of a great supportive household. I felt very lucky and fortunate to go to Boston Land School. And I didn't have many I didn't have many burdens on me in high school. And so I could just focus on education. Focus on track and field. And I was able to matriculate at Harvard College. And so I think for me, the empathy is understanding that I didn't get here alone and that I had a lot of support and understanding, seeing myself in the next person, but also realizing what I could do for them or what more could be done to help them reach their potential. So it's almost like empathy for me allows me to. Humble myself and also realize how lucky and fortunate I've been, and really trying to share that with the next person. I really try to bring that to every meeting at the scholarship committee, understanding the perspective of what it's like to grow up in inner city Boston, some of the challenges that Boston students may face, but then also realizing that my situation may be very different from someone else's, but I think a lot of it was not just innate for me, but just having the wonderful background in terms of a supportive household and just wonderful teachers who were mentors to me along the way.
2: Well, it's amazing to see what impact you've been able to have on coming from what you term Ebola as the the fortunate experience that you've had. I, I wonder if you would be able to share with with us, with our listeners, maybe a specific example of a student with whom you've worked that reminded you of yourself, or that that empathetic link really, really shone through. I think that, that would be it would be interesting for, for us to to have that perspective.
1: Well, I guess a a recent example that comes to mind is a new recipient who I've been talking to extensively recently. And we've talked about colleges, college choice, as well as major and just thinking very broadly. And during some of our conversations, she mentioned that she's the first one in her family to go to college. And she also mentioned that she doesn't have many mentors. And it also seemed as though there are well-intentioned people who were giving her advice, but it didn't seem as if that advice was always the most fitting for her particular situation. And so we've, we've just had several conversations and it's almost as though regardless of who she's going to be paired up with as her mentor, we definitely have this great connection where, where talking about the future and how in high school it's very easy to start thinking i am going to have to have my next 4 10 12 years planned out when when you graduate from college you realize well you know there's not always school in the fall there's not always that next thing that has to be the logical next step you can take time to kind of think about what's going on and unpack it and so i see myself and her partly cuz we went to the same high school but also that Here's this really inquisitive, really curious person. And sometimes someone just needs someone who can provide them with that insight, that direction, that idea that you don't have to have everything explained, but just follow your passion, follow what's was of interest to you. And so we've talked extensively, and I just feel like she asks a lot of questions. We do Zoom and we like reconnecting, but at the same time, I want her to realize that she has time and that you don't have to have every answer right now. And so so I guess for me, that seeing myself in her and also realizing that she doesn't have all the answers and neither do I, but that it's important to listen. It's important to make sure that the next person realizes that you can be that go-to person. You can be there to be supportive. And that also helping the person realize your perspective, I think sometimes, and one thing I've learned is that everyone has a bias, and like maybe like you know I'm so into medicine that maybe I could have a bias towards that or towards the sciences, and so every time you get advice, there is always going to be a slant, it's always going to be a perspective that the other person really has, whether it's well intentioned or not, whether it's explicit or not, but I think Seeing yourself in that next person, wanting the best for them, and also sharing that perspective so that they know where my bias is, but also that I'm always going to try to be that person who gives them the best, that best, most well-intentioned advice. So for her, just seeing this person who just has so much raw talent and just amazing, I just feel like, let me make sure that I can be that first mentor. If you want me to be. And so I see myself in her. I want her to flourish. But I also don't want her to feel like every year, every moment has to be so orchestrated the way it's it's so typical for like everyone in high school. You know, like we're all there, but just like it doesn't have to be mapped out. But I think it's always important to have a mentor who you feel like you're never going to disappoint, but who's always there to give you time and perspective.
2: Yeah, that's. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. And I think the mentorship component of the scholarship is is so so interesting and and impactful because of what you were just talking about, right? Not it's not just about providing a financial opportunity, but it's so important to have someone to look up to that one can empathize with oneself, right? It's not you you've been sharing, Edibola, about empathizing with the students that you're interacting with with through the scholarship, but that goes both ways, right? And they're looking up to to, to you as a mentor, and that's why you're having this impact. Interesting connection to our podcast, "Civic Conversations," right? The part of our reason for sharing these these stories of of success like yours and others is, um, to to get the word out on the the great work that people in the community are are doing and to connect those those mentors with each other. I think because your story, you know, where where you are now didn't just appear out of nowhere. I'd be super interested in in hearing you know if you could take us back to your childhood when you were in in high school and what led you to to get the scholarship originally.
1: Okay. So, I grew up in inner city Boston and I would say that Both of my parents were huge driving forces for me. My father was the first one in his family to go to elementary school. And he always says that anything worth doing is worth doing well. And then my mom is just like amazing. You know, she just wants the best for her kids, but also for their friends and the wider community in real time. Any opportunity that I got, everyone my age learned about at the same time. And so in high school, I did really well at Boston Land School I just loved to learn. I just, I just really had a passion for like math, Latin, and physics. And when it came time to apply for scholarships and think about college, my mom was just all about like going to the library, let's look for scholarships. So I applied to probably over 100 scholarships. And I actually got over $100,000 in outside scholarships. And one of them was the university club Scholarship for future leaders of Boston. And it was amazing. So I found out I got the scholarship, and then I went to the award ceremony and I met Mayor Menino. He gave me this the scholarship. It was amazing. They asked me to speak. So I spoke on how my perspective had changed at Boston Land School. Just, it was just amazing, just an amazing experience academically and socially. I think that the diversity of backgrounds and the diversity of mindset is unparalleled to anything I've ever experienced before or since Boston Land School. And so it was just the most amazing experience. Like for example, my best friend, even to this day, is Chinese American from Chinatown. And I think that, you know, and I met her at Boston Land School and I think that just the exchange of ideas and perspectives and backgrounds is just second to none. And so I really loved my experience at Boston Land School. So I feel like that's a big reason why I think I was successful and why I also was awarded the scholarship. And from there, I went to Harvard College. I majored in applied mathematics and focused on economics. I then became a pharmaceutical rep for about 16 months after college. And that's where I saw what medicine was about. And I did my post-baccalaureate courses at Harvard Extension School and then matriculated at Harvard Medical School. And that was also an amazing experience. I love the Fenway to be at Harvard Medical School and to just learn from such giants like Paul Farmer or Dr. Paul Farmer is just amazing. So my academic experience has just been really wonderful just in terms of learning and just being around people who just have a passion for differing areas, whether it's biology or economics or math. Just be around people who just love to learn and push themselves and have just interesting and diverse perspectives has just been
0: amazing. It's so abundantly clear how important education has been in your life in terms of how it's informed your career as well as ultimately the choices that that you're making with giving back with others. What do you wish to see more of in our in our world on the educational front? And how would you suggest to our listeners who maybe wish that they, they too are having an impact in this space, but, you know, are seeking ways to get more involved or, or more policy change that you'd like to see? What, what could we all be doing better?
1: Two things that are important are, one, don't feel like you have time, whatever it is. You know, let's say someone wants to run a 5K or they want to be on a school board. Don't feel like you have tomorrow or you have next year. Put the steps in to try to get it done And make have a long-term goal, but try to chip away at it every day. So I think that's really important because we all have goals, but do we put them off for another day, for another moment? So I think that this past year has also made people realize that we're more powerful than we think. So if there is that thing that you want to do, whether it's education, whether it's being on a board, whether it's being more active in your kid's school, whether it's reading more. Realize that you have that potential. You can do it. So I think setting goals and making sure that they're actionable and making sure that there's someone who's going to hold you accountable, I think that's important. So having that goal and then not putting it off for tomorrow, because there's always going to be another tomorrow that we can say, we'll address it then. But if you realize that you can do something today, you can do something to further that goal, to make it a little closer and less out of reach, work on that. And so I feel like I've done something, but there's so much more. And even within my own family, others have done a lot and I want to do more because I know, I know it's possible. And so maybe a third thing is also seeing people who can inspire you. I think that we all can see people who've done amazing things. And say, well, they're doing a million more things than I am. How can I get there? But there are always people who started off smaller. And there are people who are doing things on a closer scale that we can say, I can try that. Or I can ask that person how they started. So I think never looking towards another day to push it off. We have 24 hours in a day. It's a great equalizer. We all have that same time limitation. Do something with your time and realize that we're coming out of a pandemic. I mean, just being so grateful for this opportunity to even be where we are, to have this conversation. And there's more that we all can do. Whatever our passion is, go for it. If we're not passionate about it, we're not going to get there anyways. But if we are passionate about it, I mean, we're, we're having arguments, we're having debates, we're reading up about things, be about that. So have an actionable goal and don't put it off to tomorrow.
2: Well, some of your humility will <laughs> show shone through when we first invited you on the uh, on the podcast here, and you said, "Well, you should be interviewing my my brother. You should be interviewing my mom. They're they're doing so much more than I am." I think that you're making your mark, but we'd like to give you the 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 chance to, because um, I know it's been so impactful for you and in, in your own journey, just seeing what your family members have done. To just speak a little. To that, whether it's to the work that that they're doing or the influence that they've had on you,
1: absolutely, that would be great. So I guess I'll talk about two people: my younger brother Adioye and my mother. And so uh, my younger brother Adioye, he is all about taking steps and putting goals and plans into action. So no one in the family knew about pharmacy, but he was like, you know what, I'm going to do that as a career. And so he applied to Northeastern did a a six-year farm D program. And from there, he said, I want to live in Washington, D.C. I want to be close to educational endeavors. And we're all from Boston, so we had no idea what that really looked like. But he wanted to, so he was all about his own goals, so he did that. He started mentoring young elementary school students in science and then was just so civically oriented that he ran to be a commissioner Award in DC. And he had a a setback at first. He at first lost by two votes. Then he did a recount and won by one vote. And we're all on the pendulum with him. We're all like, you know, devastated at first and then super excited. And it was wonderful that it worked out the way it did. And then he ran for the non voting US representative position for Washington, DC. And he got around 83% of the vote. So he went from feeling defeat to winning being a commissioner and then won his next election for a bigger role and he's all about the community so he's helping people get vaccinated in his role as a pharmacist and he really is pushing for a DC statehood as well so that's my brother and I'm so proud of him and I and just seeing someone who along the way put his actions and his dreams together and never put things off for tomorrow is just really inspiring for me and then my mom is just just amazing. She stayed in Boston after going to Northeastern because she found out that the school systems here were really good. And so she wanted her kids to be around that or to be part of that. But along the way, my a great trait of my mom's is that she asks a lot of questions and she cares about the next person. So when she was on the train, she was just talking to someone and found out that there's a MECO program. And MECO takes Minority students from Boston and puts them in suburban public schools. And I did it. I really loved being in the Newton public school system. And my mom just had a random conversation with someone, and when she wanted to call back and find like and thank the lady later, she couldn't even find the person's information. But like that one conversation was great, and it sparked my mom um, doing that for her own kids. And later, she learned about the examination schools and Boston Latin School is one of them. But at that time, I mean, it's close to probably, it's over 20 years ago, probably 25 years ago, when my older brother was, was going to apply, the test prep programs were not as numerous. They were expensive. And my mother was a civil engineer by training. So she knew she could do the math. She brushed up and was able to learn how to coach kids for the verbal part as well. And so not only did she mentor and teach my brother, but all of his friends as well. So a lot of the Nigerian students who are at Boston Line School or all three at all at all three exam schools over the past 20 years, my mom had a hand in making sure that they were prepared for that exam. And then the same thing for SATs. When it was time for my brother to take it, you know, all these test prep companies are expensive. There probably weren't as many as there are now. And so she learned what she had to do and taught everyone again. And even in the years when she didn't have kids who were going to take the class, she still did it for free for other people. And so when there were just a lot of kids to tutor, my mom got Princeton Review to do it, but it did at a very reduced rate of like $350. And even then, if a kid couldn't pay, other people chipped in. And so she's just been just wonderful in terms of being inquisitive about education. And so she knows a lot about IEPs and different things but then also helping other people. My mom always says she can't choose her kids' friends, but she can make sure that they all are going on the right path together. So when there are kids who are having problems in school, whether they're her own kids' friends or just people in the community, she'll step in. More than one parent has made my mother their child's guardian. So if there's a question about something at school, the parent never gets called, my mom gets called. kids who are at Northeastern, who um, did a program called Balfour Academy that my mom, uh, well, some of my brothers had gone through that program, even though she has like no kid in the program. And so my mother has just made sure that all these students are on track to graduate, on track to be successful. And she really steps in and just realizes that whether these are her kids or not, if a child does well, it's to the entire family's benefit. It's an entire community's benefit. And so she just takes such great pride in seeing kids do well, whether they're her own or not. And it's just, it's just been amazing to see how selfless she is. She frequently gets calls, you know, if someone referred, someone who's not even in Boston or new to Boston, has questions about education, and my mom's go-to person. My mom could never, never met, met the person before, but it's really important for her to make sure that this person understands the school system understands opportunities and that their child can really flourish. So um, it's just been great just seeing how dedicated she is. And I hope I could do that for the next person. I realized once legacy isn't going to be about how much money do we have or how famous are we, but how many people or even that one person, how deeply did we touch them in terms of maybe changing their life or even just that one conversation to have made them realize that they do have the potential to reach their dream. So like how deeply do we make a connection with someone else? That's really important. Everything else at the the end of the day doesn't really matter, but does our memory leave something positive with the next person? So that's one thing I've gone for my mom and I hope to really work on that, to be the best version of myself so that I can positively impact someone else.
0: Thank you so much for sharing more about about your family, and it's so clear that the civic mindset is just so ab- abundant w- within your family and how you think, and the the impact that you're having on not only the amount of, of people and now the amount of states, and you know, given the you know, impact of your brother and you know your 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 mom leading a whole a whole troop as well, and then your impact, you know, the scholarship. I mean, Grant and I hope that we we have the opportunity to. To interview one of your mentees at some point and hear that generational, that generational legacy and that, and that loving spirit. It's, it's really, really impactful to hear everything that you're sharing. Well, thank you very much. Well, that'll wrap it up for, uh, for, for civic conversations. It was certainly wonderful speaking with you and yeah, we look forward to, you know, our, our continued civic engagement and, and learning from, from all of what you've shared.
1: Thank you very much. It's been my honor, my pleasure.
2: Thanks for being on. You can tune to more Civic Conversations online on your favorite podcast app. Can you give questions and, and feedback at combos at gmail.com?